The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Well, a very warm welcome to our special coverage of the Italian election. We are live from Rome with insight and analysis all morning. Here are your headlines. The centre-right coalition then claiming victory with more than 44% of the current vote. Brothers of Italy topping the table, likely paving the way for leader Giorgia Maloney to become the country's next prime minister. The great goal that we have always given ourselves in life as a political force was to ensure that Italians could once again be proud to be Italian, be proud to wave the tricolor Italian flag. This is our task and it is the one that we will fulfill if we are called upon to govern this nation. The opposition Democratic Party concedes defeat as the fractured center-left bloc struggles in the polls. A senior PD lawmaker pledges to be a strong countervoice in Parliament. This is not a positive outcome. We are, however, the first opposition in Parliament. We are also the second political force. We will make an opposition, an important opposition, and we will have a great responsibility. In other news, sterling plunges to an all-time low against the dollar as investors fear the British government's biggest tax cuts in 50 years will increase the debt burden. Meanwhile, the Dow hits a low for the year as the global sell-off continues with Treasury yields spiking on recession fears. Well, quite an extraordinary 24 hours in Italian politics as well. We'll get to the read in a few moments' time. But uh, it was almost anticlimactic last night, the Fratelli d'Italia party, wasn't it? You were there. Mm -hmm. We were there right at the hub. And I've got to say, um, it was, I don't want to say anticlimactic, but yeah. there had been such a strong build-up to that moment. Yes. And the polls actually were pretty correct by the end of it. You know, it, it was all of the signs are pointing to a centre-right lead for the centre-right coalition. Well, we'll come to that pretty in a few moments' time because I still have a question about centre-right. It's what we raised at the tail end <laughs> yes. of last week. And that's I, what we'll, they call themselves. Well, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Well, that's what they call themselves. And Giorgia Maloney is on track to become Italy's next prime minister with the centre-right coalition led by her Brothers of Italy, that's Fratelli d'Italia, party on pace to win a majority in both Houses of Parliament. Slim down Houses of Parliament. Mr Draghi managed to get that one through at least. Uh, Maloney would be the country's first female Prime Minister and the head of what's poised to be Italy's most right-wing government of the post-Second World War era. The latest count, uh, as Gimano was saying, shows Maloney's Brothers of Italy taking over a quarter of the total vote. And her alliance, which includes Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia and Matteo Salvini's Lega Party, taking just under 45% of the seats in the Chamber of Deputies. 
Meanwhile, the left-wing alliance led by Enrico Letta's Democratic Party has conceded defeat. The PD took some 19% of the vote, whilst the five-star movement, which came top in the last election in 2018, by the way, Fratelli only got 4% in 2018. This is how quickly the move is. So this time, Five Star took almost 15% of the vote, although that was better than the polls had predicted. In a speech following the release of the first exit polls, Maloney said she would lead a government. Yes, you've heard this before from many politicians. Lead a government with the aim of uniting the country. If we will be called to govern this country, we will do it for all Italians, for everybody. With the goal of uniting this people, of stressing what unites rather than what divides. Because the great goal that we have always given ourselves in life as a political force was to ensure that Italians could once again be proud to be Italian, be proud to wave the tricolor Italian flag. This is our task and it is the one that we will fulfill if we are called upon to govern this nation. Well, a senior member of the Democratic Party, the PD Party, expressed disappointment but vowed to be a strong opposition force in Parliament. In light of the information we have seen until now, we can attribute the victory to the right, taken over by Giorgia Maloney. This is a sad night for the country. This is not a positive outcome. We are, however, the first opposition in Parliament. We are also the second political force. We will make an opposition, an important opposition, and we will have a great responsibility. Well, a lot of people are going to be watching out for the market reaction. BTPs are not quite open yet. They're open for trading in about an hour's time. So first, let's just take a look at how the euro is trading this morning. It is trading slightly weaker to the tune of about, well, barely so, of about 0.01 percentage point. So not so much, but trading down at a 96 handle. Of course, we had that very huge dollar move on Friday, which sent the likes of the pound catapulting lower, but also we see a little bit in the euro today. I've got to say, Steve, I don't think the reaction in euro today is in reaction to the results that are no, coming out no, of I, Italy. I don't think so. uh, the, the strength in the dollar we're seeing is just a continuation of uh, the, the so, move we had last Wednesday out of the FOMC and obviously that very big move we had in the pounds on Friday. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're, you're spot on there as well. There are two things going on. There are the events that are going on in Europe, which are very specific to Kwasi Kwarteng's budget and, and indeed to what we're seeing here with Fratelli having a historic win last night. There is no doubt about it that there was a historic win. But the thing is, it was very well forecast, the events in Italy as well. We've seen this coming for a very long time. In fact, the polls have been consistently right. And bearing in mind how bad the polls were on Brexit, how bad the polls were uh, on various elections, including the United Kingdom, bad the polls were on Trump as well. You have to say that the Italian pollsters all year long have got this right. So hence the reaction to something which is a known unknown. I, we know that Fratelli is getting in. We know that Maloney is going to be the prime minister. And of course, that is dependent on Giorgio Mattarelli, uh, Mattarella as well. It's, a, it's the president mm -hmm. who, who decides who's going to be the prime minister. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains, there is no great surprise. There's a lot of concern. Yeah but no great surprise in the events of last 24 hours. And indeed hours. on Friday when we were talking about it, the last exit polls, which we've obviously been in a blackout period the last two weeks, did point to a win of north of 45 percentage points. And the latest numbers, they're still coming through, but yep. they're still pointing to about 45 percentage point support for the centre-right coalition, which again uh, puts Fratelli d'Italia in the prime position mm. and Giorgia Maloney to be the next prime minister. But that is the president's decision. I just want to take a step back, Steve, because I really think we need to take a moment to talk about how far FDI, Fratelli d'Italia, have risen 
since the last election. You mentioned it yourself. 2012, the party was technically formed. 2018, they barely got at 5%, they got 4.3% in the elections. Here we are today, sitting at 25%. That tells you one in four of the people who actually showed up to vote yesterday did vote for Fratelli d'Italia. And we've talked a lot um, with, with, with Karen and, and Jeff as well about why they have been so popular and this tendency in Italian elections to give support to these populist parties. And we're seeing it yet again. We saw it with Lega, we saw it with Five Star, both of their they did extremely well in the last elections. If you look at the results yesterday, also pointing to some loss of support, and you just have to wonder how long they can maintain the support yeah. at, 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 the, at the public well, electorate I, I think level. you're spot on, and I think there's, there's two things that could happen to this, which we, now we're, we're going a step forward. Now you've got to step back, because I'll go a step forward. I would say that Georgia Maloney will form a government as well. It seems almost inconceivable, unless there is a start of friction, which we know is under the surface between her and Salvini, possibly with Berlusconi, unless that comes to the fore too quickly. I don't think it will. I think, I think most the smart people here in Rome uh, and elsewhere believe that she will form a government as well. But, but, but what kind of government? Because as we've seen, and we've talked about this before, when uh, governments come in, they, they, they promise beforehand to the voters they're going to be completely different. They're going to be uh, shaking up the establishment as well. We've seen it in Greece, we've seen it in Italy, we've seen it with Mr Trump, okay. we've seen it with uh, the Brexiteers almost as well, in the United Kingdom as well. But very often they are tamed by events, they are tamed by circumstances, and they are tamed by their partnerships and commitments to those partnerships, and in this case, of course, uh, with Europe as well. Now, whether that remains to be this case or not this time, and whether it's different, that would be very interesting. But the history suggests in this country, whether it's Forza, whether it's Lega, whether it's Five Star, mm -hmm. and possibly with Fratelli, that actually support can erode and move very, very quickly as well once you are in government. And actually the realities of governing become that much more difficult than the campaign promises. And you know, it's, it's interesting to your point, Steve, because oftentimes the lessons or, or the most sobering times of governing for these political parties, the ones that you just listed, are the times where investors actually take a bet against the local government market so you know in these times of stress you've seen BTPs tend to widen out on that spread versus Germany we've talked about it not just an absolute yield level but back in 2018 that spread got to about 500 basis points at yeah. the peak of the crisis uh, uh, sorry 300 basis points 2018 peak of the crisis 500 basis points right now we're sitting at 220 there is one thing though working in Maloney's favor right now which is the huge amount of backstop there is supporting this market. Which You've is the, the TPR, ECB. not the AFT now. It's not the, the <laughs> Transmission pick, pick Protection acronym, Instrument. We love an acronym, exactly. don't we? So there yeah. is the, the backstop of the TPI instrument. Which, but then what, you've is also that implicitly got, keeping the spread over Bunds at, what, 250 maximum? Exactly. It's implicitly right. around there, so long as Italy stick to the fiscal rules as described by the EU. So it's all part and part of the same parcel here. And mm. it's kind of implicit in that anti-fragmentation tool that so long as Italy do keep a check on their public finances... Well, we've done something there, and I don't know if there. you've noticed what we've done. We've transitioned seamlessly between saying that the, as long as they play ball with the EU, but actually it's as long as they play ball with the ECB as well. So the ECB and the EU being seen as one and the same now, despite the independence of the European Central Bank, because von der Leyen, and when she's talking about rule of law and democracy, or whether she's talking about uh, adhering to the terms of the National Recovery Plan of the 200 billion euro loan. She said, what is it? We, we, we have the ability to make very difficult decisions, that we have the tools yeah. available to us as well. But it's very interesting that we transition without even thinking there, talking about what the mm. EU can do and the Commission to what the ECB can do as well. So all these, uh, 
international structures, these, these, these cross-border structures, very interesting that they're all watching what Maloney's government does now uh, and saying, well, if you step out of line, it's your democratic right to do what you like, but there are ramifications. Yep, and you see that at both the budget level and the ECB level. One thing also that I want to add is, look, I've been here the past week, as you know, mm -hmm. and, and we've been talking to various lawmakers, and I've spoken to several from Fratelli d'Italia, and one thing they have been consistent on, which I think is one of the reasons perhaps we are not seeing such a big market reaction, in addition to the implicit support, is they've been pretty clear about not actually wanting to increase the debt level. It is on their radar. They've said that we are aware of it. I actually asked one of the Fratelli d'Italia lawmakers mm -hmm. last week, by the way, do you ever watch low spreads, you know, the spread between Italy and Germany? He said, absolutely, we're on top of it. We don't want to do anything that would uh, really jeopardize the trajectory of Italy's debt well, going forward, given that they're sitting on 2.7 trillion euros. Of course, they're saying a lot of things, but they're saying the things that international investors want to hear. We're also hearing that potentially she could put in quite a moderate finance minister. And if that does happen again, I think to the markets that could be quite reassuring because it does send the message that they've got a grasp on the public finances challenges ahead. And, you know, just to, to round off this part of the discussion, I think, you know, Friday is, is quite a cautionary tale. If you look at the reaction that we had in the pounds, if you are looking at introducing unfunded tax cuts in an environment where inflation is super high and central banks are hiking, you could get a reaction similar to what we well, had in the which deal Which then brings Friday. us to the, one of the other key issues. And, and not all her partners, by the way, have been as disciplined in their language yeah. in, in terms of what the budget's going to look like going forward. That is why it's very interesting you talk about uh, a, a finance minister who will reassure the nerves on the financial markets and in Brussels as well, because, of course, we know potentially if it's a finance minister from Lega, which has been talked about a little bit as well, then potentially some of those tight purse strings might be less tight, so to speak, as well. But you talk about the discipline from Fratelli, what about the discipline, uh, discipline from Lega, from Forza as well? Because Lega have been quite free in their, their promises to help out with this cost of living crisis, as indeed you would be on the campaign trail. Now, if these enormous personalities, and this is the point, in, in all politics, of course, you have enormous personalities. I think here in Italy, they ain't no bigger than anywhere else. Well, you've got Berlusconi, <laughs> yeah. who is 86 on Thursday. Yeah. 86 years old and still an enormous force in Italian politics as well. Uh, very prolific in his, um, in his very, uh, how can I put it? He's uh, very present. He's very present yeah, still in But his approach politics. to Mr. Putin is very interesting yeah. and quite unbelievable that the most recent tweets and things we've yeah. seen that have been coming from uh, Berlusconi as well. And you've got Salvini. Now, we know that Salvini wants the interior ministry as mm -hmm. well. He wants to put his stamp on immigration as well. So that, again, is another area where we could see <clears throat> real a contest with broader EU policy as well. And despite the fact that Fratelli's done very well, Lega could bring this government down, mm. potentially, if it wanted to, in a very short order. Let's talk about Lega, because what I think is interesting there is the last elections, they captured 17% of the vote. If I'm not mistaken, the latest numbers are now pointing to around 8 to 9%. So yeah, they I have dropped. as 10.5. I it, it depends on the Senate, value, yeah. Chamber, there's, there's yeah. a distribution there. But the point is they've dropped about 10 percentage points. Mm. So a lot of those votes have either gone towards Forza Italia, but mainly to Fratelli d'Italia, because they were campaigning on a similar stance on the immigration, on the clampdown of illegal immigration. Meloni took the line out of, uh, out of um, Mr. Salvini's playbook, used it herself and perhaps more effectively. And so he's probably sitting there thinking, well, I've basically lost a lot of my support or the support that I would have had to this new leader. Did he lose it because of his support for Putin? 
I mean, remember that very famous moment, I remember this, there, where he went down to Szemzor, a town that uh, Mike yeah. and I had been down on the border between Poland uh, and, and Ukraine, and he turned up there trying to show his support and look at the, the problems, mm. uh, and then, then the mayor of Szemzor pulled out a T-shirt yeah. that, uh, that Salvini had worn yeah. Uh, supporting Putin as well. So mm. that's a very ambiguous mm. place for, well, I think for Salvini to be as well. Point. All I wanted to say about Salvini is that I think in, in order for her to appease him, he's probably going to ask for that interior ministry. Mm. And that is the perception over here that he probably will end up in that post again. again then there's a collision course again, again with Europe, isn't there? Straight away. Yeah, well, on the anti-immigration things, what he discovered as we were talking about once you're in a position to govern, the international laws actually do come into effect and a lot of what he was trying to achieve was not possible due to international law and EU law. Well, what a very important point you've raised there, Jemana, because the um, Maloney stance was also very much about the primacy of Italian laws previously compared to international laws. Now, I wonder if that's going to come up as well. Uh, do we need very briefly to talk about law and democracy? I noticed that Mr. Orban and Fidesz have already been congratulating uh, these tripartite group as well. So the big worry, once again, especially with what we've seen, and let's put this in a broader context as well, with what we've seen with the Swedish Democrats in Stockholm as well, getting a very strong showing in the recent election. Vox is getting more support in Spain as well. Fidesz, of course, and Mr. Orban are rock solid as well. Then you've got questions about the Law and Justice Party in Poland. Now, all of a sudden... She leads that group. She leads that group in the European Parliament. Don't forget that. Exactly, Miss Maloney as well. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you've got a, a solid right-wing bloc that looks more cohesive, getting more votes again. Real big questions for Europe. Yep. Uh, and... Um we're not going to get all the answers today, but no, certainly, certainly we will not. raise the well, issues. Well, hopefully we've raised some <laughs> of the issues anyway. But uh, let me... Jeff, good morning to you. I hope you're very well, my friend. Let me hand it back to you in the studio. Uh, terrific coverage, guys. Thank you so much for that. And I think it is going to be fascinating who comes out first to offer their support and reassurance. I saw Marine Le Pen had also been on the wires talking about... What, was it, what did she say? A lesson in humility to the EU. So after Mr. Orban and uh, the Vox party, who else will be lining up to uh, congratulate uh, Giorgia Maloney? It'd be very interesting to see that. Well, for more on the fallout from the Italian elections, check out cnbc.com. Coming up on the show, sterling plunges and Wall Street posts its fifth negative week in six. We'll break down the sell-off next. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. So while Steve and Germana are enjoying their gelato in Italy and watching the developments around the politics this morning and Giorgia Maloney, Karen and I are back here in London just keeping a weathered eye on the markets. And what a remarkable few days we've had here. Let's, let's just talk a little bit about sterling, I think. Uh, the pound has hit a record low against the dollar. The selling apparently sparked by the government's budget plans to roll out the most significant tax cuts in 50 years, apparently triggering concerns about ballooning debt. 
The steep move in the pound has prompted speculation that the Bank of England could be forced to step in uh, with perhaps an intermeeting move to hike interest rates to try and stabilise the currency. Very difficult, though, to know. Karen and I were just actually chatting about the potential likelihood of that happening. One of the challenges, of course, is that this is primarily a dollar story. If you look at a lot of other currencies, they've also fallen quite heavily against the dollar. In fact, I think the Swedish krona, in spite the Swedes going 100 basis points, the Swedish krona has declined pretty much as much as the pound. So it's a broad-based dollar move against every other currency by and large barring one or two exceptions we've seen the chinese step in uh, today with further measures to try and protect the yuan here we know the yen has had a tough time of it with the japanese authorities also talking about the potential for intervention at some point the trouble is the minute you begin intervening it almost feels as though you send a signal to the markets that you feel vulnerable. It's blood in the water for the sharks. I think, unfortunately, for the pound, there have been two massive events here. One would have been bad enough, but first up, we had what many market participants would think is a tone-deaf response to interest rates. Only when 50 didn't go 75 basis points, and many already setting the scene, look, if they don't go 75 basis points, watch out for the pound. But then we had that fiscal package on top of the Bank of England moves as we rounded out the week, and then the financial markets took stock and said, this is a fairly significant package how is the UK going to fund that and they had another go at sterling so I think you had just this double whammy approach for pound which made it much worse than some of the other currencies I mean you cited the krona there and we were talking to um, a lot of the central banks over the course of the week 100 um, basis points move what more could you possibly do and still not get any support underneath the currency that just sets the scene interest rate hikes are not necessarily going to push back against the dollar i think the other factor here is we had geopolitics last week concerns about the escalation in the war in ukraine and markets just simply went risk off on top of these moves so it was a dollar strength story but will it take central banks coordinating their approach now to try and get some action against the US dollar. Yeah, I mean, the irony is, uh, even as we talk about the pound and uh, the challenges around debt and whether the UK joins the 100% debt to GDP club, ultimately of the G7 countries, it has only the second worst debt to GDP profile at the moment. The problem is countries like France and Italy and Portugal are all part of that Eurozone grouping, whereas uh, Stephen Germano were discussing, there is now this new instrument which is designed to try and protect the sovereign integrity of the credit of those countries. The pound sits on its own pretty much now as a result of Brexit. Well, let's have a quick look anyway at the US markets. Um, You might have thought, given that we're talking so much about the strength of the dollar, and as we see liquidity being drained from the financial economy by these interest rate hikes here, you might have thought that some of the uh, uh, equity markets would get get a little bit of support, but it was another very weak session for the US on Friday, as I think um, anybody who can liquidate to cover Uh, their calls elsewhere in their portfolio is effectively selling down stock at this point and very concerned that the Fed ultimately has told the markets there is no pivot. So as you look at the messaging out of the Fed, 
more rate hikes to come, no pivot at this stage. We've reduced the growth outlook. We've increased the prospects for unemployment. And we also think that inflation will be stubborn into 2023. No surprises then that the markets got very spooked through the end of last week. Quick look at the Treasury market. What do we see in terms of the yields here with a 10-year note currently sitting just a little off that 4% mark at 3 spots 762. But you've got the 2-year at 4.2% and the 5-year at 4%. That inversion suggesting the market continues to believe that the United States will not escape recession, even though there are those banks out there like Goldman Sachs that have been updating their forecasts that think that the economic slowdown could be short and shallow. The dollar index, let's circle back to the dollar because it's been all about the dollar here, hasn't it? And that chart shows you um, how, as we continue to see concerns about the vulnerability of corporates here, worries about stress and potential for defaults rising, the money is circling back into the greenback, which is seen as a safe haven. And we're up over the three months, more than 9% on the dollar index, Karen. Which sets the hurdle higher for markets, doesn't it? We know that this firmer dollar story has been something a lot of the fund managers have been watching, saying that is negative for a lot of stock markets as well. And you can see, over the course of the trading week, we peeled off the major boards. Uh, this was a negative trade for the Friday session. Some of the selling stepped up. And I think you can see in the Friday trade, at least ahead of the Italian election a little bit more risk coming into that market 3.3 percent down so extending out some of the reading that you saw on the other markets so over the course of the trading week they're worth pointing out that u.s markets underperformed european markets roughly four to five percent stripped off those major boards if you just delve into the individual ranges i mean the FTSE was down three percent so not quite the same extent and the german stock market down three and a half so again slightly better performance even as we talk about a lot of red ink on this side of the world other markets though in the range of those u.s markets in terms of the selling of French stocks, Italian markets as well. I want to take you elsewhere to the European yields. We just had a look at treasuries and it's been a lockstep that we've seen these moves higher. In particular, I want to show you bonds. You can see we've been above 2% as we stepped up over the course of last week. Italy 4.33. So the market, again, pricing in this right-wing alliance and the risk that it may bring to the markets. So that means the spread is now about 233-odd basis points. Don't forget, we're roughly around the 1.5% mark on the spread between bunds and Italian yields as we started out the year. So that is quite an extension as we talk about the journey throughout 2022. You can see some of the other major markets also increasing. But just worth noting, we saw really across the board, and we talk about gilts too, the twos, the fives, the tens, these yields all moving. Well, meantime, China's central bank has announced steps to slow the pace of the yuan's recent depreciation. JP Ong joins us now from Singapore on those recent moves. JP, we're just talking about how much coordination we could get from central banks here to step in and shield currencies. Just give us a sense as to what China is doing. Yeah, Karen. Yeah, it's all about what's going on actually with China and their response to that strong U.S. dollar that's really rattled forex markets here across the region. You'll see here that the Chinese yuan has weakened to seven spot 16 against the greenback. Now, it's interesting because the PBOC have decided to set the reserve requirement risk ratio for banks that are at about 20 percent in an effort to stem some of this FX volatility. But keep in mind that earlier today, the PBOC 
also set the midpoint of the yuan's reference rate at its weakest level in about two years. And we also see the yuan trading at its weakest level since mid-2020. So something to really watch out for, how they're going to manage that volatility in mainland China by also trying to make sure that there is support for that slowing economy. Keep in mind, China is the second largest economy in the world, and there are concerns that the slowdown could affect the rest of the region. But for the rest of the FX market, it is also much about the U.S. dollar and what tune Dixie is whistling. And as the U.S. dollar and the index continues to strengthen and firm itself up, you're seeing a lot of currencies across the region uh, continuing to weaken and soften. The uh, New Zealand equity markets are closed in observance of the morning of the passing of the Queen, but the Kiwi crumbles out in New Zealand alongside the Aussie dollar, both firmly losing ground and weakening and losing uh, ground so far in today's session. The Korean won in, in Seoul today also weakening past 1,400 in today's in the Monday session today. The Japanese yen also on the back foot at about 144, back to losing ways as that rate differential between the U.S. dollar, the U.S. and the Bank of Japan continues to widen. Keep in mind that Japan still maintaining their 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 stay in negative rate territory. Now, when you look at the effect at the equity space, it's also a sign of uh, we also see signs of broader a broader sell-off, with one exception. Now, we talked about Chinese uh, the the Chinese yuan weakening, but you're seeing today that the standout is greater Chinese equities. The Shenzhen Composite now firming up by about two tenths of a percent today's session. There is. Um, some believe that with the Chinese stocks coming back down to earth and really pulling back, that bargain hunters have started to come out and look for deals, actually. But take a look at how strong the Hang Seng is doing, the Hang Seng Tech Index is doing today, up by about 1.5% of 3,643. Xpeng, one of the big EV makers in, mainland, in, uh, in China, has announced that they are going to buy back some shares, actually, and this is at least buoying sentiment that perhaps we might see a buyback. We have to also remember that Hong Kong has dropped the hotel quarantine measures there, which has also uh, helped support some sentiment out there. But there are two stocks worth watching out for that might be of interest for folks out in Europe, and that's the two banking stocks, Standard Chartered in Hong Kong and HSBC. Their shares are actually falling tremendously in Hong Kong today. And this also because these two banks, which are headquartered in Europe actually, still consider China as one of their biggest uh, sources of revenue. And we do have the China slowdown. And they are kind of between a rock and a hard place here. You have the China slowdown impacting potentially their future revenues, but you also have going back to the weakness of the, of the British pound actually hitting sentiment for these UK listed banks. Um, and, and this could also have implications for how their, sh their shares might trade later on. By the way, word on the street is, if the British pound continues to lose ground and loses parity to the US dollar, you guys might have to start calling it soccer instead of football later on. I don't make the rules. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.